Super Talk Mississippi media production. Specializing in Ford, Nissan, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Rams. CorinthAutoGroup.com and FordOfCorinth.com, where cars and happy drivers meet. Visit us now in person or online with the experience you deserve. Howdy, howdy, it's Rhino here, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. I'm your host, Gerard Gibbert, and today I'm up in Fulton, Mississippi, at Itawamba Community College for the 2023 spring graduation. Rhino safe and sound back at Super Talk headquarters as we'll be guiding you through the middle of your day with facts, fodder, and fine music on this fine Friday, y'all. We have made it. I am up here in the foothills of Rhino, a beautiful campus, the tall, stately pine trees in view from my vantage point in the Davis Event Center. Folks are flowing into the center, getting ready for graduation. It's a big day for the graduates and their families as they receive their degrees and move on into the working world. Some of them, of course, will continue their education on from here at Itawamba. Beautiful campus. Uh, all the community colleges in the state of Mississippi really are uh, quite nicely situated. But this one in particular, the uh, the landscape with the Tom Bigby in the background is uh, is really beautiful. I know you've been around here a lot, and you're Rhino because you're oh, not yeah. far, yeah, not uh, from not far from here. So, uh, but we're in good shape here, and we've got a great show lined up for you today. Coming on next in the Element Well Studios in the Davis Event Center is Donnie Bell, a member of the Mississippi House of Representatives, serves as the chair of the House Workforce Development Committee. And then we've got uh, two students joining us later on in the hour, Brian Morrow and uh, Lexi Tab. At 11.50, Barry Emerson, Dean of the Career in Technical Instruction at ICC, joins us. And then we'll kick off Hour 2 of the program with Dr. Jay Allen, the president of Itawamba Community College. And uh, Dr. Allen will be followed up by Emily Quinn, the mayor of Fulton, Mississippi. And we'll wrap things up with Senator Daniel Sparks, represents Itawamba, Prentice, and Tishomingo counties, serves as the vice chairman of the Senate Corrections Committee. So looking forward to all those conversations today on the program. Of course, about 10 hours ago, Title 42 expired, and uh, that means, of course, that there have been a series of migrants who have been um, 
flowing across the border, thronging across the border, shall we say. I mean, it's a swarm, honestly. This is crazy. This is nuts, and this could be stopped uh, with the stroke of a pen by President Joe Biden, but there's no intention on his part to do so. And I, I, I thought more about really what is their objection to this. And I know many people think what they're trying to do is get as many migrants, illegals across the border as possible that they believe would support them politically and essentially guarantee Democrat control of the federal government. And certainly that's a plausible thought. I agree. But the more I think about it, I think, well, what's the goal of that? Well, the goal, I think, is to so-called reimagine the country. Reimagine. We're going to reimagine. And, of course, the reimagining they have in mind is to transition the country and the principles that made it great, specifically free market capitalism, to one of central planning big government socialism. And the best way that you can do that is to just put so much weight and burden on the system that people start saying, please, government, bail us out here. Do something for us. And I think when you look at the consequences of these huge numbers of illegals streaming across the border, and by the way, they're just being dispersed into America's cities, even though there was a a last-minute order by a federal judge, I believe in Florida, who said that they should not be released without, once they're captured and detained, should not be released without uh, having a definitive court date. Oh, yeah, which is all on the honor system. Come back to court. And if they don't, we don't really have the means nor the resources nor the desire to chase them down. Well, some of the court them. dates are as far out as 2027. It's insane. It's it's a ruse, honestly. It's just a joke. And, and so uh, there's no interest in that. But once these people get dispersed and they start to burden all of the systems available through the federal government, I, I think that it, it does take its toll on capitalism. And when that occurs, I think the Democrats settle it, uh, celebrate it because, best I can tell, that's what they want. They, they want to convert the country to a socialist wasteland, although they don't think that would happen. I call it a wasteland, but they don't believe that such a conversion to central planning big government would do so oh it just wasn't implemented right in other countries we can't really take any any instruction from them and from prior attempts to implement big government central planning socialism they just didn't do it right but we we the all-knowing the omnipotent democrats we're going to implement it successfully and the goal of course is equity they just want to re-chop the pie so that everybody's got their little piece and we're all just equally miserable really is incredible johnny at west point says biden has no interest in sealing off the border he's going to let everyone come in and then give them citizenship so they'll vote well i do think that there will be a push for amnesty i mean it just gets to the point where you got so many 
And the reality is many of these people are going to end up working. They will be illegal, and they will be hired, and they will work. And and that will cause, of course, further problems in that the citizens that receive all the government benefits, they just stay at home while those jobs are being filled by illegals because they won't come out and work. Unbelievable. Welcome to Northeast Mississippi, Gerard, on the ceasefire text line. Really appreciate that. Glad to be here. Beautiful. Lots of kids listening to your show. Not necessary to share these details. <laughs> gotcha. No, I'm afraid it is necessary to share these details. We're not going to shy away from the truth. We're not going to shy away from uh, the most pressing, most critical, most serious issues. Reagan did not grant amnesty, Thomas and Greenwood. You're wrong about that. What he... <laughs> Not to the extent that's being discussed here. It is absolutely true that Reagan was pro-immigration. I'm pro-legal, lawful immigration. We all should be, in my view. We want to welcome the best and brightest into our country to contribute to it, but to assimilate with American ideals, American law, American culture. I don't think that's... I don't think that's unreasonable. Joey the trucker says, I'm tired of paying money to the to these people. Well, I, I think a lot of people are tired of, of paying money to the government, period. Once again, speaking of money, Rhino, the debt talks scheduled to reconvene today. Remember Tuesday, the president had his, his best pals there in the Congress Two from the House, two from the Senate, two Republicans, two Senate, uh, two Democrats, and they didn't get anything done. And they said, "Let's come back Friday." And today is the day, and that um, has been postponed. So, what what did occur? The uh, the results of the Tuesday meeting was that Biden staff was going to go work on some possible concessions around unspent COVID money. That's about as far as they're willing to go unspent. So it's crazy that we're even referring to that as cutting spending. Cutting unspent money is cutting spending, which is nuts. So they were supposed to get back today, but that has been postponed is where we are right now. And no indication as to when they're going to reconvene to work a deal out. But that's where we are. $1.7 trillion, that's the number. That's the deficit that is expected to be generated in this, uh, in this fiscal year, 2023, which ends uh, at the end of September of this year, about six months left in it. So we are taking a break right here at Itawama Community College. We're here for the 2023 spring graduation in the Davis Event Center. Coming up next, Donnie Bell from the Mississippi House of Representatives. Stay with us. Talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Let's get on with it. On Super Talk Mississippi. 
Welcome back, everyone. Midday, Super Talk Mississippi. We are at Itawamba Community College today in Fulton, Mississippi. Beautiful campus up here. Joining us now, Donnie Bell from the Mississippi House of Representatives. Represents District 21. Serves as the chair of the House Workforce Development Committee. Representative Bell, good to see you, sir. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for the invite. You got it. So it's a big day here at Itawamba Community College. Uh, it's it's so cool to when I walked in the building seeing all the the families of the graduates and you know they're all excited. It's a big day for them. Beautiful facility, beautiful campus. It's pretty neat up here. It, it's home uh, and it's God's country is what we refer to it as. <laughs> We've got uh, Dr. Jay Allen coming on later on in the program. He does a fantastic job he, up here, doesn't he? He is. He's well liked in the community and has really moved this college forward. Yeah, good guy. So, uh, you guys, of course, you've been out of uh, session. You sign and die. It's uh, been almost three months now. Hard to believe. Two wow. two months of change. I didn't realize that. <laughs> uh, you feel like it was a successful and productive session? Yeah, as far as uh, the stuff that I was working on, uh, absolutely, it was a good year. Well, t- tell us about that. What specifically uh, were you involved with this year? Well, mainly on the workforce end, uh, we instituted a lot of stuff. Uh, last year, we uh, did the career coaches, which is a, a big hit uh, across the state. Yeah. And, and this year, we increased the funding and expanded that program. We put $12 million in this year as opposed to last year. The startup was only $8 million. And in North Mississippi, roughly, there's 70 career coaches. Right. That's really making an impact with the, the business and industry and uh, the students at the K-12 level along with the community college. Right. Uh, and those have been very successful. i got to tell you, working with economic development back in my home county of Madison, no surprise to you, it's the number one issue we hear from the employers. We need a trained uh, workforce ready to hit the streets running. We, we need them uh, to fill these jobs that we have. And, it, and it's a big factor when they make their decisions, new economic projects. When they make the decision, it's one of the big things they look at. What we're seeing right now, it's, it's workforce and energy and power availability. Yes. You seeing that, hearing that as well? Yes. The the workforce is, you know, the driving factor. And, you know, I can quote you statistics where, you know, Mississippi is fifth in the nation in the number of kids that go to college. Yeah. But within six years, uh, we're 48th in the nation in the number of kids that actually obtain a degree. So we, we've, in, in a way, we've really pushed the college route and a lot of those kids are dropping out of college, and they feel like they're failures, and then we're having to retrain yeah. or, or teach them a skill set. So with the career coaches and some other things we're doing, we're trying to stop that before it happens, before they get that debt, before they drop out of college, at least to inform them of other opportunities and other skill sets that are high-paying jobs in Mississippi. No doubt about it. And they're available right yes. now. We need people right now. Uh, the community colleges play a critical role in addressing that issue. Uh, much of the education that is received and, and, and some of the crossover training, vocational training, the career uh, coaches and so forth, that's all integral to preparing a workforce that's ready to, to um, staff some of these jobs that are available. Lots of jobs that are available. Well. This is my. I just finished my 16th year in the legislature, and the community colleges as a whole across the whole state uh, 
has really evolved and changed and stepped up to the plate, in my opinion, and understands the the workforce and training those people those those skill sets that is making a difference and it's taking time but they are the driving force behind workforce development in this state is at the community college level no doubt and we're blessed with uh, 16 fantastic institutions across our state and uh, and it's affordable as well. Yes. And it's a, really a great value. Something that uh, I always call attention to anytime we're on this, this topic is the community, uh, East Mississippi Community College in Starkville. What an awesome model that is that I feel Representative Bell should be replicated across the state. Yes. And like in North Mississippi, uh, Etiwamba Community College has the Belden Center. Yes. Which is just phenomenal on what. what the skill sets that they're producing in these young people. Um, the issue that we're looking at now is more at the K-12 level. Okay. Uh, that's where we're going to focus at uh, in the next few years is how do we get uh, K-12 involved more with the career tech education because that's where it's got to start at the K-12 level, and we're looking at the curriculum. You know, and how it aligns with the needs of employers in our by each area. Yeah. And Accelerate Mississippi has been very helpful, and I think they're on the right track. Dr. Ryan Miller, I think, is doing a tremendous job. Yeah. And we're just getting started. I mean, it's in you know we're still in the infancy stage on a lot of things. Yeah, I, I totally agree to, to get that started at the K through 12 level. Also, that Ryan does an excellent job at Accelerate. I think that's a valuable asset uh, to the state of Mississippi for sure tell us what you expect in the uh, upcoming session you running for re-election yes yeah i figured you were i hadn't checked it but yeah. i figured you were well i'm, yeah. I'm blessed i'm unopposed oh so, man you are lucky uh, <laughs> uh, that's that's a relief but uh yeah i'm looking forward to the session um you know pretty much it's pretty much set. jason white is going to be the next speaker yeah and um working with him and, and his leadership team and i actually uh had dinner with him last night and workforce is going to be at the top of his agenda also so sure. we're trying to develop a plan and getting more information from inspark and accelerate on where as far as legislation we need to go in the next few years so it, it's a it's a good thing yeah as some of these controversial bills that uh, flowed through the legislature this year, we see that maybe 1020 perhaps was the most controversial, certainly got the most attention in, in the press for sure. So now we got lawsuits that, uh, no surprise there, that have ensued as a result of those bills. But do you think overall that was a good idea, what, uh, what we passed there to well, expand the Capitol Complex District? I do because I mean uh, Jackson needs help, mm-hmm. and and it's not just a, a money issue. It, it's some direction and some guidance, and you know uh, I feel like it was the right thing to do because Jackson is our capital city. It, it represents the whole state, and you know if you don't feel safe going to Jackson, you know what's it going to take to fix it and yeah. and it's not just something that you just need to throw money at and then because we've tried that we we spent a lot of money in jackson and it just hadn't been uh worked out successfully like we think it should and i, I say we're now let's give it a shot let's try to make it better and the new judicial district as well which was established as part of the bill a lot of pushback on that uh 
I was there in the gallery the day that uh, it got a, it got a little heated uh, on the floor, as you recall. Representative Trey Lamar, of course, who authored the bill, was in the well, and I remember the mayor, and it just seems like his entourage filled up the the uh, the north gallery. Uh, but it but it got through, and I, I thought the, the members of the house handled that uh, quite effectively and professionally. Yeah, we got to do something. Well, I'm glad Chairman Lamar was at the podium and not me. That's <laughs> all I can tell you. <laughs> a lot, lot, yeah, lots of fireworks for sure. Um, it, you know, during that debate, but I, I, I agree. I think it was the right thing to do. You know, something uh, that didn't get done was the citizen-initiated ballot measure process. We're still without one in the state of Mississippi. Do you think that's going to come up again in the next session? I, I think it will. Uh, and, you know, the House and Senate's just got to come to an agreement on a number of signatures that's to, what to it make it happen. That's what it comes down to, doesn't it? And, yeah. and that's, that's it at the end of the day. And uh, once uh, leadership agrees on a number, I think we'll move forward. <laughs> the question is, can we get to uh, an agreeable number? We certainly haven't been able to the last two sessions. Uh, but that's coming up. Any thoughts about uh, any of the races you want to talk about uh, in particular coming up? Um, now that I don't have a race, I, <laughs> I'm just glad I'm, I can just speak for myself. But, you know, there's a lot of good candidates out there running. That it's a time for them to get their message out and their beliefs. And yeah. uh, I wish everybody well. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's starting to heat up here because we got primaries in August, of course, the general in November. And yesterday or earlier this week, two days ago, I guess, was the uh, official deadline for filing financial reports. So we got uh, a glimpse into who's raising money and who's not. And that, that will certainly uh, be a critical part of a successful campaign going forward. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I- I don't see a tremendous amount of change in the House yeah. or, or the Senate, really, for that matter. I think the numbers are pretty much what they are. You might see a couple of new faces, but yeah. uh, I, I, think I think you're right. I think you're right. Representative Bell, always good to see you, sir. Thanks so much for coming on. and Be sure and tell uh, Jason White that uh, everything's fine. Okay. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yes, sir. We're coming right back here in the Element Well Studios at Itawama Community College for spring graduation 2023. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Welcome, welcome to our show on Super Talk Mississippi. Okay, now you have a good one. superstitious by the great stevie wonder bumping us into this segment here on middays we are live in the element well studios from itawamba community college because it's spring graduation 2023 that's why we're here and we are honored to have with us now a couple of students here from icc uh, we've got brian morrow a student uh, who came back to get a criminal justice degree is yes, also sir. a member of the mississippi highway patrol that's 
Trooper. Yes, sir. And Lexi Tab, uh, a more traditional student, mm-hmm. shall we say, yes. that uh, has been very involved in the Phi Theta Kappa yes. chapter, chapter here and also named a, a Lyceum Scholar at Ole Miss. No, I'm not going to Ole Miss. You're not? No. Okay. <laughs> So, we didn't know that. Uh, where are you I'm going? going to Mississippi State. Okay, well, well, well shoot. So, uh, so Kim is celebrating now. Uh, what are you going to major in? Nutrition. Nutrition. So, what uh, what are your career plans after that? Career plans after getting my degree? Yeah. I'm just trying to figure that out right now. I'm hoping when I go to Mississippi State that I can delve in and see um, which kind of career path I would go, want to go into. The reason I picked nutrition is because it's a very broad um, career and I want to dip my toes in everything I can get into. I got you. What do you study to to uh, when you study nutrition as a major? What sort of course? Science, science, and more science. Like get so into much. biology. Yes, biology, biochemistry, um, organic chemistry. Just trying to figure out how. That's hard. Yes, <laughs> very hard. Organic chemistry, that's usually what weeds out the uh, pre-med students. Yes. It's not going to weed out me, though. <laughs> <laughs> I suspect that's the case. Brian, so you, you uh, tell us your background. How, you got into the Highway Patrol, right? Yes, sir. And did you do that straight out of high school, or did you have a stop there in college prior to that? Tell well, us about uh, that. Started 2006. Uh, come to school here. Uh, played some sports. Once I finished schooling, okay. Uh, I say finished, but once the sporting events were over, I just I was like, well, you know what? I'm gonna get into the workforce. So started working. Uh, went and got my barber's license. Did the barber thing for a little while, and then uh, that calling they say just kept nudging at me. So yeah. uh, eventually, I did get into law enforcement around two, 2015. Uh, started at the local agencies. Even worked here at the uh, campus as well as um, at the Fulton Police Department here. And then uh, wanted to pursue the call for the Highway Patrol, so then uh, went on to patrol school in 2018, graduated in 19, and was fortunate enough to come back to um, Lee and Etiwamba counties to work here. So mm-hmm. once I got here, I've uh, just been rocking on ever since. So um, it was just one of those things where, you know, in our agency, we don't necessarily have to have the degree to promote, but because we promote within. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I decided that you know I wanted to be more competitive when it comes to um, you know whether it, it depends on the rank or what position I want to go into. So I uh, decided to go back for the criminal justice. And uh, another motivation was you know my kids. I want to encourage them to do it. So I didn't think I could tell them to go to school and how important it was if I didn't do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Set an example. Got to set an example. So the criminal justice degree is yes, what sir. you earned, right? That is correct. Uh, your plans just to remain in the Highway Patrol, move through the ranks? What do you think? Uh, well, uh, put is, me on the, is your boss here? He's, he's not here, but okay. he may be watching. <laughs> you know, you never know. So uh, the goal is definitely to promote and, and promote within and, and go as high as that you can go. So, um, And like I said, if, if you and I were taking the promotion test and yeah. you had the degree and I didn't, yep. you know, and we scored the same, you're going to get more points on the test than I would because you had the degree. Okay. So I just want to make myself uh, a, a lot more competitive and uh, open uh, myself up for, you know, even greater opportunities than the ones that, you know, may be given to you down the road anyway. I got you. Lexi, what about your experience here at ICC? It has been amazing. Um, if you don't know me, my story is that I was absolutely not going to come to community college at all. I was dead set on going to um, Auburn University. Hmm. And when that didn't work out um, because of money, I decided I was going to come here. And I was very upset about it. I'm not going to lie. But coming here, I've gotten to do things that I would have never gotten to do, like giving tours to people. I've got to handle social media accounts. Um 
really touch on my creative side that I didn't get to do in high school. And also I've excelled um, and Mississippi State's paying my whole way because I came here. Oh, so cool. It has awesome. been amazing coming here first. So you've already earned your degree. Are you graduating today? Yes, sir. Okay. I'm graduating today. Okay, you are. Okay, well, I'm, I misunderstood that. Okay, got you. So that's, right. that's, that's what's happening here. That today, is correct. So. Yes, sir. Uh, well, that, that is awesome that you uh, you get that. So you're back in, in uh, the troopers. Yes, sir. Keeping us safe. And you're going on to continue your education. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line is you, you both came here to ICC. And uh, you got value out of that for for the next step in your in your life and your career, mm-hmm. and that's that's the the most important thing. Um, the campus here is beautiful, isn't it? Lovely, yes. Isn't yes, it sir. though? Here, Tupelo building, anywhere you go, um, it just it's awesome. And they're still adding stuff to it as well. So, mm-hmm. I, I asked somebody the other day, I was like, "Where are they finding the room to put all this new stuff?" So, <laughs> well, that's good. That's yeah. a good problem yeah, to have, problem as, have, as they say. But you hadn't thought about what you want to do with the nutrition degree. But you it sounds like you do a lot of stuff with that. Yes, I could go and work in a hospital, work with patients after surgery. Yeah. I could work at. I've actually gotten to shadow a dialysis clinic, working with kidney patients. Um, I could do sports nutrition. I could stay at home and work like online with like coaching and stuff like that. So there's many different things that I could do. I just want to see what's my best fit for me. Do you intend to stay in Mississippi? You thought about that. I have not thought about that. I am from Alabama. I'm like 30 minutes away from here. So if I don't stay here, I'll be there. Well, we need you here, though. <laughs> That's right. So uh, do you think you maybe would just go wherever the best job opportunities are? Is that is yes. that likely the case? Yes. But not far from here. Okay. You want to stay close? Yes, stay close. close At family? Home. Yes, family. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yes. Yeah. I did the same thing. I traveled all over the place for several years and said, you know what? I miss my family. I want to go back and and work and uh, be around my family. There's a lot to be said for that. Yes. No doubt. Are they here today? Not right now, and hopefully they'll be on time. Oh, okay. (laughs) But they're coming to see you graduate, Yes. Yes, most of them are. Are they going to cry? I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Are you going to cry? I already started tearing up. (laughs) I I didn't think I was going to cry, but I had to you can't do that being a state trooper. Can't can. cry. Can't no, heck no. You got to be a stoic. Uh, I was I was sad that they gave me the the hat with the tassel. I wanted to wear my campaign hat, but I knew, <laughs> I knew that wouldn't fly. So you know, that's awesome. Yeah. And you told me that you're uh, you're assigned to this area. Yes, sir. Is what you you patrol? Is that what you they refer to it as? Correct. Yes. Okay. Sir. Uh, you're not running into folks that don't have their seatbelt on, are you? Well, uh, you see that from time to time, and um, you just try to encourage them to to put it on. You know, a lot of people think you know we write tickets because it's part of our revenue, our uh, personal salary. Yeah. But uh, at the end of the day, it's just all about public safety. You know I ask I mean? that because every time I have um, communications director Chris Turnipsey, mm-hmm. the captain, on, he he uh, the first time he told me how many how many tickets for failure to have a seatbelt on over one of the busy travel weekends i was shocked and so he always has that information ready for me now every time, and he shares that it's like 600 over mm-hmm. the weekend i just can't believe it. and that's just the ones they see mm-hmm. and people don't realize man that they really do save lives oh my so. gosh anything crazy that you've ever come up that um sort of sticks out in your career so um, as a trooper just i, I think uh Maybe there was a vehicle accident where a, uh, a, a young woman, uh, she didn't have her kids buckled up, and, and she had uh, had 
a little bit too much to drink, basically. Mm-hmm. And just so the, the negligence of not caring about her kids' lives. You know what I mean? You, you've you lived yours. You may not care about yours. Hey, do what you want. But, yeah. you know, give those give those kids a chance to grow up and, and make their own decisions. You know, so just seeing stuff like that is, um, you know. Do you share that story? Because it's so good when you share, this is what happens when you step out of line and you, you act irresponsibly, get behind the wheel. This is uh, the sort of stuff that happens, real life. When the opportunity presents itself, definitely. Even uh, having a guy that... Um, I just happened to be right place, right time. Uh, he was kind of overdosing uh, in the middle of the road, was able to administer Narcan and help him. And uh, even to this day, he sees me at Walmart and he's like, man, thank you for taking me to jail that day. You know, that's all awesome. my life, you know. So hearing those kind of stories, that's what it's all about, you know, and that's what drives us to, to keep pushing on. And and those are the types of services provided by the troopers that I don't think get enough attention on. I was just about to tell you, you won't hear about it, you yeah. know, and which is fine. You know, we don't do it for the accolades. But, sure. Uh, those are the things that you know motivate you and keep you going for sure sure lexi does your family have a history of uh, going to college yes my mom she um she's basically like superwoman she's went to college she's actually working as a flight nurse right now but she's got her master's degree hoping to get her nurse practitioner degree oh cool uh so are you have siblings yes i have step siblings and then the one uh, my little brother who's at home right now does he intend to go to college? He better. He wants to play. He wants to play basketball. ICC, if you're listening, <laughs> I'm going to be his little recruiter to come. <laughs> well, you can play basketball and go to college, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, That'd he definitely can. Cool. Mm-hmm. I'll be at all his games if I could be. Is the uh, idea of majoring in nutrition and doing that, uh, having that as a career path? Is that something that just hit you while you were here, or you've been thinking about that a while before you ever got to college? I actually have an autoimmune disease, so nutrition drastically changed my life. Oh, gotcha. um, I had done everything I could to heal my condition, but it didn't heal. So nutrition is what impacted me the most, and so I wanted others to get that same kind of healing that I got from Makes that. Makes sense. So. Lexi, Brian. Congratulations to you you guys. Thanks for being such great representatives of the state of Mississippi and Itawama Community College, and I wish you all the best in your life and your career. Thank you. you. Appreciate you guys coming on. Thank you. We're stepping aside for a break right here in the Element Well Studios at Itawama Community College in Fulton, Mississippi. Coming right back. Covering the stories that matter most to Mississippians. Gerard Gibbert. Middays with Gerard. Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. Midday Super Talk Mississippi, live from Itawamba Community College. We're here because it is graduation, spring graduation, 2023. I enjoyed that, uh, talking to the two fine students here at Itawamba Community College. Brian Morrow, a Mississippi Highway Patrol trooper who returned to to obtain his criminal justice degree, and Lexi Tab, delightful student, who is headed to Mississippi State to earn a degree and focus on nutrition as a course of study. 
So that is awesome, excellent. Two great young representatives of our state and of the community college system in the state of Mississippi. It's always a delight to speak with them and appreciate that. So I'm having a little bit of uh, Internet problems here, so I'm trying to get to the ceasefire text line. Someone asked us to give a report, Rhino, on the Supreme Court decision on Mandy Gunasekra, candidate for public service commissioner, filed to be a candidate, and uh, did not prevail in the suit that made it all the way to the Supreme Court concerning her residency. So she was a candidate for public service commissioner in the Northern District. This decision, I believe, handed down just yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. And six of the nine justices uh, voted unanimously to decertify Ms. Gunasekra. And the three justices from North Mississippi did not participate in the decision. So thus none dissented. And of those who voted, the vote was unanimous. And what the issue is, is a requirement in our Constitution and state law that candidates running for this regulatory board, there's three members of the regulatory board, public service commission, one for the north, one for the central district, one for the south. And our law says, our Constitution actually says, that they must be a citizen of the state for at least five years before the date of the election. So that that got uh, into the weeds about Miss Gunasekra's residency for that five-year period. Records show she had a house in D.C. And uh, these are records from November 7th, 2018. And uh, I think that's what the justices leaned into with respect to the residency issue. So I think that we will likely see Miss Gunasekra appear in other political races. I think she is a dynamic figure, conservative, uh, former chief of staff of the EPA in the Trump administration, and so I, I think we'll see more of her in political races in the future. But that is where we are. So uh, Gary in the Berg sent us a screenshot just uh, reminding us that illegal immigrants receive free smartphones paid for by the U.S. taxpayers. And as Rhino pointed out, some of them don't have court dates until 2035, which is insane. So uh, they're just streaming across the border, flowing across the border. And uh, we're accommodating, which is what is really crazy. And again, I think it's intentional by the Biden administration. Although, have you seen this, Rhino? There are reports that that Biden has uh, been a little, a bit agitated. There are reports that around the White House, he's he has been acting up somewhat, not happy with the situation, feeling like that it is reflecting upon him poorly, and that it might affect his 2024 chances. 
uh, in re- for re-election. I'm talking about the border specifically. Like, dude, where you been? And it was because of you uh, appointing maybe the most incompetent vice president in the history of the country to go along with the most incompetent president, that in Kamala Harris, as the border czar. What a joke that is. Also, the czar of artificial artificial, artificial intelligence. You know, seems like one needs to be, shall we say, blessed with more intelligence to oversee the, uh, I guess, the analysis and investigation into the concerns about artificial intelligence. One needs to have a lot of intelligence. I don't think she meets that criteria, honestly. Hmm. Interesting. Well, it's time for a break here on the middays. It's top of the hour. That means Fox News, Super Talk News. We're coming back at Itawamba Community College after that. Stay with us. I'm going to make it home tonight. Get ready. Get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. It's Middays, live from Itawamba Community College, because it's graduation, spring graduation 2023. And we are here and looking over this beautiful campus. It really is awesome. Those are maybe the tallest pine trees in the state of Mississippi, even taller than in the pine belt that are... As I recall, just looking from this vantage point, I think those are lined up behind the outfield. Left field is what comes to mind at the baseball stadium, and also behind the football stadium, which is adjacent to it. And right behind that, Rhino, as you well know, is the water. The old Tom Bigby. Yeah, beautiful. So Jeff in Forest County says, well, that does it. I'm never voting for the private citizen, Hunter Biden. What does he mean by that? What's he talking about? Jeff's in his own little loony leftist world. (laughs) So Ben from Madison says almost two years exactly since the Supreme Court invalidated the ballot initiative process. Sad the legislature still hasn't addressed it. I think you're right, Ben. It was in May of 21, was it not, when the Supreme Court handed down the decision essentially invalidating Initiative 65, which did pass. That was the medical marijuana program that citizens placed on the ballot through the process. It was approved at the ballot box, but subsequent to that, a suit was filed that alleged, charged, if you will, that our signature collection process was broken in that the requirements specified in our Constitution 
did not align with reality. The Constitution specifically referred to five congressional districts that the signatures must be equally distributed across the five. Only one little problem with that. We ain't got before. We did have five at one point when, obviously, that law was, or that amendment, that provision was inserted in the Constitution. So, you're right, Ben. We have um, not gotten anything done in the legislature, and the big sticking point, as Representative Bell pointed out, is the number of signatures required to place a ballot on the measure to get it certified by the Secretary of State as qualifying for the ballot. And it just doesn't seem like we are making any headway on that sticking point. Also, Ben points out five years uh, is too long residency requirement that is required to be uh, a PSC or transportation commissioner as well. That uh, he says, let the people in North Mississippi vote. Yeah, I hear you. And that, again, because that's embedded in the Constitution, would require an amendment. And that means either the cit- well, the citizens can't do it because we don't have a process for that, as we just indicated. The legislature could refer an amendment, if you will, to the ballot. And if it is approved by the people, that would amend the Constitution to change the residency requirement. Interesting. Well, let's see if something else came through here. Jerry in Pontotoc says, Thank you to our Mississippi Highway Patrol for protecting us, Jerry in Pontotoc. Appreciate that, Jerry, and totally agree with you on that as well. Something else, uh, the financial reports came out. And have you seen the amount of money that each of the statewide candidates reported? We can run that down for you. In the governor's race, we got uh, Governor Tate Reeves has a huge war chest of $9 million on hand. That's a lot. That raised this period, the quarter, $1.7 million. Also, Republican candidate John Witcher, Republican candidate for governor, raised $21,000 this period and has cash on hand of 13000 David Grady Hardegree, I'll have to admit, folks, I, I didn't even know Mr. Hardegree was a candidate. I missed that and did not, apparently did not file a report. We couldn't find one. On the Democrat side, Brandon Presley has raised $1.4 million this period, has cash on hand of $1.6 million. That's fairly significant. Bob Hickenbottom and Gregory Wash, also Democrat candidates, showed no report. Indi- independent Gwendolyn Gray has $12,000. Cash on hand of a thousand. The lieutenant governor's race, arguably the most contentious primary we will witness in Mississippi during this election cycle. Incumbent Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman raised a hundred and ninety-three thousand dollars, has cash on hand of three point three million. 
Chris McDaniel, Senator Chris McDaniel, has raised, according to his report, $678,000 this period. His cash on hand is 336000 So that indicates the lieutenant governor has roughly 10x what challenger Chris McDaniel has. That's a little more lopsided than I would have thought. And there are a couple of other candidates. Tiffany Longino has $200 on hand. Shane Quick raised none, has none on hand. There is a Democrat in the race as well, Ryan Grover. Again, no no money raised, no cash on hand, according to his report. But in the Attorney General's race, incumbent Republican Lynn Fitch raised 226000 has $1.1 million on hand, does have a challenger. Greta Martin raised 39000 has $21K on hand. Incumbent Secretary of State. Republican Michael Watson raised 144,000 this period with cash on hand of 810,000. Democrat candidate for Secretary of State Shawaski Young raised 5 grand has cash on hand of 250. State Treasurer incumbent David McRae raised 79,000 has cash on hand of 205,000. Agriculture and Commerce Commissioner Andy Gibson raised 75k has cash on hand of 196,000 has no Republican challengers state auditor Shad White 294,000 raised this period 1.6 million on hand insurance commissioner Mike Cheney raised 174,000 has 330 3K on hand. So that's the statewide offices. Again, I think what will be in focus during the primary aspect of the races in 2023 in Mississippi will be the lieutenant governor's race. And then the general election will see the governor's race be the focal point. I believe that one likely to be contested between Governor Tate Reeves and Democrat Public Service Commissioner Brandon Presley. So that's a rundown of the money there, and that, of course, is a big deal when it comes to running a political campaign. No doubt about that. I wonder, is that kind of in line with what folks thought? Again, I was a a little stunned at the, the delta between... Uh, Lieutenant Governor Hoseman and Chris McDaniel. Thomas and Greenwood points out McDaniel raising more money than Delbert in this quarter. However, Thomas, keep in mind that the Lieutenant Governor did report that he did not engage in any fundraising activity during the session. He, that, I'm, I'm, again, I'm just passing on what he said. I don't have any proof one way or another. Just passing on that he said he didn't engage in any such activity. Can you please discuss the different ways candidates are allowed to use those contributions? So, you know, that law, help me out here, Rhino, changed not so long ago. Um, that They cannot keep this money personally as they once could. Anything left over? 
Don't think you can do that anymore. We need to check on that. And also do not believe that money, if I'm not mistaken, I think if it's for state offices, it has to remain used for state offices. We got a break right here. We'll check on that. It's a good question. See what we can find out about that. My memory is a, a little bit fuzzy on that. It's been a while since I looked it up. We're stepping aside for a break here once again at Itawamba Community College for spring graduation 2023. Coming right back. The talk that keeps Mississippi talking. We're rolling. Hit it. Go. Play it. Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. A Monday warrior, me, me, strive. Today's Tom Sawyer, me, me, cry. Bumping us into this segment here on the Middays. Appreciate the great tunes there, Rhino. Neil Pert on the drums. So just looking at the campaign finance laws in the state of Mississippi, and uh, the, the first thing is cannot use political contributions for personal use. And just looking at the code, the actual statute, it gets into detail, the statute does, as far as the specific prohibitions under the code section regarding personal use expenditures uh, from campaign funds. And it just lists any residential or household items. Won't go through all the details behind that. Mortgage, rent, funeral. That's crazy. Funeral, cremation, or burial expenses within a candidate's or office holder's family. I only say it's crazy that that would have to be specified. That's kind of weird. Clothing, automobiles, uh, tuition payments within a candidate's or office holder's family other than those associated with training campaign staff. Salary payments to a member or of a candidate's family unless they're providing bona fide services to the campaign. Non-documented loans of any type, including loans to candidates. Non-documented. Travel expenses, except for travel expenses of the candidate or member of their staff. Payment of any fines, fees, or penalties. Wow. So, bottom line is, you got to use the money specifically, explicitly for a campaign. To running a campaign. And that's just what the law says. It's designed so that it doesn't just become a personal war chest. Interesting. What I couldn't find, Ryan, I was still looking for, is whether or not 
I, I did find a section in the code about what happens, what what is the dispositions, what are the dispositions available upon a filing a termination report. Meaning yeah, you've got a couple options. Upon filing a termination report, any campaign contributions not used to pay for the expenses of gaining or holding public office or performing the functions and duties of the public office shall. And then you have six options. You can maintain it in a campaign account for any future campaign for public office. It can be no- donated to a political organization or to a political action committee or to another candidate. It can be transferred in whole or in part into a newly established political action committee or ballot question advocate. It can be donated to a tax-exempt charitable organization, and that's all defined by the IRS. Yep. It can be donated to the state, or it can be returned to the donors. Yeah, uh, but what I couldn't tell um, is whether or not such political action committees or other candidates, could they be federal? It, it, it didn't say. They just said political. So, I, and I don't know why I have this thought in my head that you can't move the money from state to federal political campaign funds. But, yeah, it, I thought it was interesting that the law specifically states you can donate it to the state. But what you can do is transfer it to your bank account. That's that's the main thing that's uh, that's changed there. Well, down at the very bottom, it does say that if you have any questions about where it should go, you can always request an opinion from the Mississippi Ethics Commission, and they will get back to you within, I believe, 90 days? Yeah, I see that as well. Absolutely. So just got to be careful with all that. But, again, don't stick it in your bank account. Don't go pay your mortgage and your rent for sure. That's a problem. And uh, you... You of course you know that when you when you read that with that specificity you, you get the feeling that this stuff's happened before <laughs> all these things that are prohibited have happened before and that's why they're addressed in and uh, with such definitive specificity in the statute itself. Great interview this morning with Lexi and the Trooper. That would be, yes, Trooper Brian Morrow. We need more feel-good stories in our life. I totally agree. Very impressive uh, young people, and it was an honor to interview both of them, and I wish them all the best in their future careers, no doubt about it. What does uh, Thomas and Greenwood have to say? Let's see if Delbert or McDaniel exceed next quarter, which exceeds next quarter the other in fundraising i don't like either of them but i think mcdaniel has more momentum which is puzzling says thomas yeah let's see here mcdaniel oh no he's talking about senator sparks so senator sparks did produce a video that was shared on social media in support of the lieutenant governor delbert hoseman and of course senator sparks is coming on today at twelve we'll ask him about that get his thoughts on that race and other races um, etc i was listening to npr this morning npr lawnmower what is that the national mood is that the mississippi governorship might be in play a one-party state is bad for the country that's Tell that jeff to california and new york 
<laughs> which are not only are they one-party states, recall that they redrew the districts in New York in such a way as to virtually eliminate every Republican district, and it got struck down by the courts. But totally agree. No, uh, it's only the Republicans that gerrymander. <laughs> what a joke that is. Totally a joke. Um, I, I don't think the Mississippi governorship is in play the way that NPR and the other left-wing rags and media sources are, are coming out and saying. I've read virtually all those articles, by the way, Jeff. And uh, it's clearly they're not really in touch with the pulse of the state. I think it will likely come down, it's just my opinion at this point, to a five to seven point advantage uh, for the governor. And I also receive all of uh, candidate Brandon Presley's campaign emails. I'm on that list and receive those and read those with uh a great deal of interest. I think the, I think Brandon Presley is really working diligently to try to connect the governor to the TANF scandal, and I don't think he's going to be successful in that. There's zero evidence that I've seen with respect to the governor and any participation in the misuse of that money i'm not seeing and there would be of course talking about during his term as lieutenant governor i've not seen any evidence of that you've probably seen the news that uh former governor phil bryant has agreed to provide all of his text messages and other information but also i believe he has filed a lawsuit against mississippi today for slander and libel for defamation of course that the result of the extensive reporting they have done on uh, the scandal and i think strong attempts to link the former governor uh, to the deal and to uh, really implicate him as uh, have committing having committed wrongdoing and uh, in that scandal in the process. I don't think that's going anywhere, honestly. It's just my opinion, but I could be could be uh, to wrong about that, could be shocked, honestly, if that's not the case. So on the national scene, well, of course, we've got illegal immigrants that are flowing across our border and being dispersed into the country, inside the country. We're likely never to to locate them and certainly aren't uh, really poised to send them back from whence they came. There's no interest in doing that on the part of the present government. When former President Donald Trump was asked about that in the CNN town hall a couple of days ago, he basically said that we just need to return to the policies that uh, he had implemented which which included family separation when they got to the border. And, and he made the point that this is a, a uh, very strong deterrent for folks to come uh, attempt to enter this country and to approach the border. He made that point. He also said we need to finish the wall. I mean, the same thing he's been saying, and reinstate the return to Mexico policy. It's incredible to me that 
Title 42's expiration is causing this surge at the border, which just tells me that was all intentional. We are taking a break right here on a Middays, coming right back from Itawamba Community College at 1150. It's Barry Emerson. Stay with us. Okay, is everybody ready? I'm ready. Ready here. Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. back at Itawamba Community College for spring graduation 2023. Just wanted to pass on also the House did pass a fairly comprehensive border security bill with this record wave of illegals streaming across the border. But it um, it's got no chance, of course, of, of getting approved by the U.S. Senate, and thus it's not going to make its way to the White House, and the president wouldn't sign it uh, as well. It's record numbers. 18,000 is what was expected to enter the country today. 10,000 average during the uh, days of the first four days of the week and by the way this bill cleared the house 219 to 213 mostly of course on party lines and it would make it easier for the u.s to deny entry it's really common sense provisions make it easier for the u.s to deny to deny entry to illegal immigrant juveniles who show up at the border without any parent they're they're known as unaccompanied alien children. Of course, I don't think the Democrats like the use of the word alien. And it tightens up on the asylum rules to block migrants from using the asylum system uh, in order to gain entry into the country. And there's, it's just abused. You should know that... One of the members of the squad, that being Congresswoman Ayanna Presley, said, let's make it plain. This is a tweet from late yesterday. Let's make it plain. Immigrants are welcome here. Asylum is a human right, and we need to treat it as such. Uh, wrong there, Congresswoman. It's not a human right. Asylum is not a human right. I, I think it's terrible the way other countries treat their citizens, their inhabitants. And and certainly, human compassion says we need to address that and do something about it. I, I'm for that. But just to say, hey, pay no attention to these folks who are seeking asylum as they just cross in into the country and just then disperse them into America's cities, well, that's not the way to handle that whatsoever. And the fact that it doesn't, there doesn't seem to be any interest on the part of this government, our government, to work with these other countries from where these 
asylum seekers originate to to try to figure out what are you doing that's causing these people to want to leave but see this is what i don't think the democrats want to talk about it's because you're inviting them here it's not just necessarily asylum that they're seeking it's the system that provides more opportunity that you want to destroy that's why they're coming here not to mention that you're telling them, we'll give you phones, we'll give you health care, we'll give you education, we'll put you up, give you food, give you clothing, either from the government or charitable organizations that get involved. Maybe that's got something to do with it. So Trump is right, I believe, when he said, you know, if we split the families up, which certainly sounds inhumane, they won't come. And that's exactly what happened. And he made that point in the town hall. So I I give him props for that. I believe that as well. The other thing that I give him props for that is consistent right up with what we've been saying on the program, you want to address inflation? Seriously, you want to address inflation? Drill, baby, drill. You've got to unleash the American energy sector. That is critical to boosting supply of everything because low cost lowering the cost of energy will lead to the production of more goods and services at a more affordable level which would combat inflation in so many ways but it uh, would also reduce our dependence on foreign nations that want to destroy us want to do harm to us Uh, and also of course bring down the price at the pump so it doesn't just affect the price of fuel that we need to travel and to move about but it affects the price of everything else we consume and that leads to a reduction of inflation totally agree with that it's the very first thing that could be done today to address this issue from a fiscal policy perspective. And Trump said that. So I, I'll give him certainly props for that. He's right. What I have noticed in reading probably half a dozen accounts of this is what the next Trump presidency would look like from a um, policy perspective or all these various left-wing media sources that are conducting their fact-checking of the town hall, what I have noticed is that They won't focus on any of the economic issues. They just want to focus on January 6th or the 2020 election or the the charges of um, the uh, sexual assault charges recently decided on by the court that Trump was at fault there and has to pay damages. That's what they want to focus on. They don't want to even talk about all the economic issues, and the reason is because they know that their guy is failing in that department, and all the polls reflect it. And it also reflects that it's the number one concern that voters have. So they don't want to talk about it. They avoid it. It's sort of half-baked, half-cocked reporting, in my view, which is what Trump pointed out, that the media is in the tank for the Democrats, for the left, fake news as he calls them i i just find that disturbing that they have no reporting that i could find of any substance on economic matters 
Hakeem Jeffries, you know who he is, the minority leader in the U.S. House of Representatives. He tweets yesterday, President Biden won the 2020 election decisively, and he is doing a very good job. The insurrectionist crowd needs to get over it. No, it's the crowd there, Mr. Jeffries, that are tired of paying 3 to $4 a gallon gas, that are tired of rising costs, that are tired of this march to mediocrity where one's physical characteristics and attributes are held in higher consideration than one's qualifications and performance, value, and merit. That's what we're sick of. Not to mention all the other overreach of government from a regulatory perspective. Obviously, we're tired of not having a southern border effectively. We're tired of crime. On that front, I heard a report early this morning on the business news that the Target stores in San Francisco, which pretty much is decriminalized crime for all intents and purposes, workers at the Target stores report that they witness theft, shoplifting, Virtually every hour while the store is open. Virtually every hour. They are instructed not to get involved, to leave the perpetrator alone. They do it without consequences. They don't get arrested. And in the rare cases where they do, remember there's, what is it, Rhino? It's got to be more than $750 or $900 for it to even be considered a crime. 900 yeah. So, and then you've got these woke DAs that just... Oh, yeah, you're fine. You, you, you were stealing things you need. It's society. It's their fault. Therefore, just help yourself to the assets of others. And they look the other way. There's a councilwoman in San Francisco that wants to, to prohibit security guards from carrying firearms. What are they supposed to do? Poke their eyes out or something with their fingers when they see them stealing stuff? It's incredible. But on the other hand, let's not forget Target. Going back to 2016, before the explosion of wokeness in this country, 2016, remember this, Rhino, they're the first retailer that I can remember that said, uh, you just go to whatever bathroom you want. You remember that? Accommodating. Whichever bathroom suits your fancy, just go to that one. And that was a nightmare for the big retailer. So you're kind of now having to lie in the bed that you made there, Target. You were all on board with this crap. Until these big companies start to shift away from their high degree of focus and investment, their sprawling DEI organizations, well, then you're paying the price for that because that's manifesting in government and in law enforcement and they're stealing you blind as a result. We are stepping aside for a break right here on uh, Middays. When we come back, it's Barry Emerson, the Dean of the Career Technical and Instruction at Itawama Community College. Stay with us. Days with Gerard. Good for America. Good for fans of justice and truth. Good for us. Super Talk Mississippi. 
is what we stand for. Welcome back, everyone. Midday, Super Talk Mississippi. Once again, we are at Itawamba Community College today in Fulton, Mississippi. That's because it is spring graduation 2023. Joining us now, Barry Emerson, the Dean of the Career and Technical Instruction at Itawamba Community College. Dean, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. So uh, this has gotten so much focus, the whole the whole CTE uh, movement, shall we say, uh, not only in Mississippi but across the country, and I, I sort of see it as an effort to kind of bridge the gap between traditional education that that we need, but getting getting students graduates of these CTE programs ready to hit the streets running in the workforce. To, to satisfy the needs that employers are communicating, these are the skills required to staff the jobs that we're hiring for. Yeah, and, um, you know, we're actually behind the curve on that, on coming to that realization. Hmm. Statistics actually show there's a number uh, I'd like for you to, to uh, a ratio to, uh, to remember, and that is one, two, seven. So for every one job, and this is nationwide, and this is proven, uh, uh, Across the nation, and we're a little bit late coming to this, uh, to this knowledge, but for every one job that requires a graduate degree, so you're talking about doctors and mm-hmm. lawyers and mm-hmm. CPAs, and, yep. and for some unknown reason, college administrators, <laughs> I don't know that, but, uh, for every one that requires a graduate, there are two that require bachelors. Okay. So, you know, engineers and accountants and, and some other things. There are seven that require a skill set. Okay. That that may not it may be a bachelor's degree in some cases it could be an associate degree but it is a skill set so it is something that they can do uh, typically with their hands it starts with their head and uh, and so but in almost all those cases it doesn't require a bachelor's degree we've got bachelor's programs that are training them to do those uh, that skill set but it doesn't require it. I and see. what employers are looking for is that skill set. And that's where we come in at the community colleges. Uh, and, of course, you know, the uh, Mississippi has the number one community college system in the, in the nation. Mm-hmm. And uh, I happen to think that Itawamba is the number one college in the state. But they are, they are all very good, and I have a very good relationship with them. And I know they all do a good job of preparing individuals to come in. And that can be a 17-, 18-year-old. Uh, but it might also be a 30-year-old that, that took the other traditional route. They come back to us with a, a, uh, a bachelor's degree, but they, they can't earn a life-sustaining wage. Yeah. So they come to us and say, Get, you know, I need a skill set. And so we are uh, preparing them for the workforce. And in almost every case, we can get them an internship. That's how thirsty, hmm. hungry hmm. Uh, industry is yeah. for these individuals. And uh, we get them in the workplace, and they, uh, they they start learning on the job. They learn with you know with us in the classroom and in our lab spaces, and they're learning. Uh, usually, it's a hands-on skill set that uh, when they graduate, they're gonna they're gonna go to work, and some of those are gonna make six figures within a couple of years. Yeah, 
It's amazing. And don't you see that that's really kind of the trend in education, Dean? Do you, do you see us moving in that direction at, at where maybe in lieu of a traditional linear degree, there's programs like this that just get these students ready to get out in the workforce and start making money? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I've been, pre- I've been in this business, in the education business, for 28 years. So I've been preaching this, it, it seems like, for all 28 years that uh, you know we've got to convince parents that this is where the jobs are yeah uh, and not waste tens of thousands of dollars sending them to get that bachelor's degree on the front end and that's yeah. the key I, I still believe in a bachelor's degree and, and graduate degrees I believe that you just keep going sure and and keep uh, you know expanding your your educational foundation yeah but I think uh, it starts uh, with a skill set find out what uh, these students are interested in and find out what where the jobs are of course and uh, and give them a skill set that they can build on and uh, the Bachelor of Applied Science degree that IHL passed about three or four years ago in um, universities uh, Mississippi State jumped out there on the front end uh, other universities are coming around now but yep. to be able to take an associate of applied science degree and an individual that's got a skill set and they are working in the field and then they can can transfer the entire 60 hours of that associate degree toward a bachelor's degree, come in as a junior, and in 60 more hours they can have a Bachelor of Applied Science degree. And they're so much more valuable than the than individual that goes and gets a degree in a traditional field without ze- with zero experience, without zero uh, skill set. This is going to grow, isn't it? Oh, I think exponentially. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Dean, appreciate you coming on. Thank you for having me. Big day here today, isn't it? It is, big day. It's awesome. I, I walked outside for a second and, and uh, heard tears and applause. So oh, that's yeah. always good. Yeah, the, the full gambit. Yeah, this is a fun day for us, too. Appreciate you guys having us here. Barry Emerson, Dean of the Career in Technical Instruction at Itawamba Community College. We're at the top of the hour. That means it's time for Fox News and Super Talk News. After the break, it's Dr. Jay Allen, the president of Itawamba Community College. We're in Fulton, Mississippi. Stay with us. The talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Begin your transition now. Now on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. Midday Super Talk Mississippi. We are on location live today. We've relocated the Element Wealth Studios to Fulton, Mississippi, in the Davis Event Center on the campus of Itawamba Community College. And we are pleased to welcome Dr. Jay Allen, the president of ICC, to the Element Wealth Studios. Dr. Allen, big day. Absolutely. It's fantastic uh, seeing all the smiles on the faces and, and all the phones raised, taking pictures of the graduates as they walk tears, across you the know, stage. It's, it's awesome. A, it's a great day, no doubt. We, um, It's one of my favorites. But it's also a little bittersweet because yeah. I see these students coming across stage has made huge impacts on our campus from a leadership standpoint and a scholarly standpoint. I'm like, how are we going to replace them? Yeah. And then in the fall, 
this new, new crop comes in. Comes and in. I'm like, wow, we're, we're going to be okay. This is amazing. So we are just so blessed with some great students. You know, we, we certainly talk quite a bit on this program as part of our job about the many challenges that face our, our communities, our state, yeah. our nation. Uh, and, and a lot of times it's, it's kind of easy, I guess, to get a little depressed about that. Yeah. But um, I was just sharing with you, I had the, the pleasure, the honor of being over at my alma mater, Ole Miss, last week and meeting with the School of Accountancy. And then having interviewed two fabulous ICC students, it, it gives you great hope no and doubt. optimism about no the doubt. future, doesn't it? No doubt. It? I, I, the, the future is bright. And, uh, you know, maybe a COVID uh, a thing from COVID that's very positive, but our students this year have responded to our engagement opportunities at record numbers. We've we've just really blown through the student uh, activities budget, and that's a great problem. Yeah, um, because they have shown up in record numbers, craving those engagement opportunities, which is great for us because that also spurs on retention. Yeah, and more yeah. they're more likely to move to success the more engaged they are. Yeah, and so it's just been a wonderful year when you put all of that together, and then you see those students, you think, man, it's going to be neat. To see what they do down the road, and it's it's part of the uh, the overall value of the college experience. Absolutely, absolutely. It's so much. It's so much more than just getting up, going to class, and going back. You, you, the more engaged you are, you're building friendships for a lifetime. Yeah, without a doubt. All right, how many are we graduating today? Just a little over a thousand, thousand sixteen. Six seventy three walk gotcha. today. Yeah. So um, we had a GED graduation last night, yeah. which was great, wonderful, great crowd for that. We do that right here on the same stage and give them all the pomp and circumstance. Yep. Three ceremonies today and um, packed house here at the first one. And but the great thing is we were still done in about an hour and. 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. And so we we really pride ourselves in getting our families in and out of here so that, that they can get back to the to the family opportunity sure. And, sure. and enjoy a great meal. And it is a, a huge family occasion. Absolutely. It's I mean, something it's, to celebrate. And, and many of our graduates, they're going to be, you know, 30% or better are going to be first-time, first-generation college graduates. Okay. So you think about that, they've accomplished something that no one else in their family has done. And so what an honor, what an opportunity. And, uh, and you could also say what a responsibility. Yeah, sure. So uh, how, how would you um, characterize the status? Uh, let's talk about Itawama sure. first. Uh, how's that going? And then uh, follow up on the community college system in general. Mrs. You know, Itawama Community College, I've been here five, almost six years now, just about to finish up the, the tail end of my sixth year. And yeah. um it's, it's a wonderful institution. I knew that before I got here. I've, I've had my eyes on it for a long time. I've worked at three in, in the state of Mississippi mm-hmm. and then uh, one out of state as president. They're out of state. And um, this is a very, very special place. And when I, when I visit with families, I'm like, your, your, your child has an opportunity to be involved and engaged in an environment that is just um, hard to find anything like this, which is wonderful. And so the college has so many things going the right direction, and I can't take credit for that. Um, I may sit at the helm, but it, the reality is it's our leaders that are making things happen. And I talked today in my graduation comments about being the spark, being a spark plug, and you being the spark that's generating movement happening, whether you're, it's where you work, where you learn, or where you lead. Be that spark yeah. and also create sparks that will create opportunities for other people. 
Well, that's what our, our faculty and staff are doing, and they are just they are answering the call for engagement and for opportunities in and out of the classroom. It's just been amazing. So then we turn our attention to the community college as a whole. I think I think we're in a really unique place within the history of community colleges in Mississippi. We're in our 75th year here as a community college. When you look at that system and what we're able to do across our state, the beauty of it is is we're all autonomous, independent institutions that come together for a common purpose. Yeah. But I can serve my community the way my community needs. Sure. And on the coast, they can serve those communities sure. there the way they need. So that's a big plus. Mm-hmm. And we can be so responsive and responsive literally overnight in some cases. And we, we I, when I visit with industry partners and I tour those manufacturing plants, one of the last questions I ask them is, what's coming next? I need to know what's coming next. What are you about to put on this manufacturing floor so that we have time to prepare for that? Right. Because I can't build, I don't right. have capital to build out that much overnight. Sure. But if you give me time, we can usually make something happen. So we see that across the state. Well, and, and let me applaud you for that as well. Uh, as a longtime employer, it's it, on that side of the fence. Right. It's so important yes. that we have um, that open communication, right. that, that constant flow of uh, uh, feedback back Absolutely. and forth between the, the education community and, of course, the, the, the private sector. You know, our, our students are our customer. But at the same time, our employers of these students are our customers. And so there's that delicate balance of making sure we stay current with what they need, especially in our career technical areas. But the same thing's true in our academic classrooms. Their their workforce training is what they are. Sure. Do you uh, do you receive feedback from employers about graduates they've hired from ICC? We do. All of our career technical programs are going to have advisory boards, and so those are people in the industry. So we get that feedback. We also have that in our uh, advanced manufacturing technology program where they're working in industrial maintenance tech, and those companies are given really constant feedback because they're working as apprenticeships. Yeah. They're in an yeah. apprenticeship program. So that's great. But then we also get it in the academic arena, healthcare, especially in healthcare because we're in constant conversation. And so we find out what is it they're needing more of, less of, what's that next challenge they see coming. And and so we adjust both curriculum and experiences along the way. And don't you feel, though, as well, Dr. Allen, that when they have positive experiences with their graduates, they come back to hire the next? Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. And and it's it's kind of what I said today, you know, you're – that being that spark, you know, it's all about leadership in yeah. that sense. And um, and you don't you can still be an introvert, but you're creating yeah. that spark yeah. that things happen and they sure. begin to really you get that synergy of two plus two doesn't equal four it equals five and, yeah. and so neat things happen. Well, that, that's what also I think happens when these employers find, hey, this was a great hire. Let's go get some more of those. Yeah, that's totally awesome. So what's the outlook? How how are you looking? Well, uh, fall enrollment's looking great. Our orientation numbers have been through the roof um, and historic numbers, which, you know, we still got a long time before August. But we're hoping that'll hold and and those numbers will be up. Residence hall housing has has been full for years. We just opened a new residence hall across the street there, Magnolia Hall, just a phenomenal hall for scholars and leaders. It's a separated co-ed, collaborative study spaces in there. So I go over and check on it, and they're using those collaborative (laughs) study spaces 24-7. It's been wonderful. So we see is um, the the future's bright. Our Tupelo campus is rolling. Belden Center's rolling. So many great things occurring. We always have room for more students, though, no matter the age. I uh, I run into you occasionally down yes. to Capitol yes, during absolutely. the session. Is there anything in particular that you guys are looking for? Well, you know, we always have the needs to, with a 75-year-old campus, we always have the need to maintain and upgrade facilities. And so there's always that need for bond dollars, whether they come through capital expense or actually bonding of, of dollars. Those things are what allows us to, to stay current 
to maintain, be competitive. Um, you know, think about it. A residence hall you built 30 years ago probably doesn't meet the standards of what people are looking for That's today. True, yeah. So you have to do some updates along sure. the way. Um, so there's that. Always the need for workforce enhancement. Donnie Bell, Senator Parker have been great about helping us find ways to enhance what we're doing with Accelerate if it, if it needs to flow through there, which usually it does, on workforce training. And mm-hmm. so I think that's the other piece, and I chair that component for the presidents. Okay. So it's a constant conversation of what's next. Okay. And hey. so we added one this year, Gerard, that is uh, nurse navigators, and it was some dollars that Donnie Bell was able to help us get that will flow through Accelerate, and it allows us to hire a navigator or two within our nursing programs that will help guide students in the outside the classroom. So it's okay. not teaching them, it's helping them internalize what they've been taught and then manage the life challenges that come in the way. And we did get some funding, speaking of that, uh, for the nurse program. We did. Well, grant funding. This, we did. And, and so those type things always help. We had our CTE advantage. This is the third year we've received those funds, and that helps us shore up the difference. It cost us $3,000 more to educate a career tech student than an academic student. Okay. The labs, the instructors are so much more expensive. Well, we're disincentivized to add to those programs because yeah. they cost so much more. Right. But yet, that's exactly what our employers and, need. And where the opportunities are. So we've been able to uh, receive $5 million the first year, $10 million the second, and another $10 million this year. And that, we really don't get dollars like that on a regular basis. Yeah. But that's directly impacting our ability to grow and retain our career tech programs. Yeah, makes total sense. Well. Uh, we got another session coming up uh, next year. We're Absolutely. Hard to believe it's a few Absolutely. months away. Appreciate you joining us, having us here today, yes. Dr. Allen. And most importantly, congratulations on a successful year. I know the future is bright. Appreciate your leadership uh, at this fine institution. Thank you. Thank we you. appreciate the attention to the community colleges, as always. Yes, Thank sir. You. you got it. We're stepping aside for a break here. Dr. Jay Allen, the president of Itawamba Community College, has been our guest. When we come back, it's Emily Quinn, the mayor. Of Fulton, Mississippi. This program. Gerard Gibbert. Here we go. This is huge, huge, huge news. Huge, huge, huge news. Huge. You need to listen to this. Middays with Gerard. Super Talk, Mississippi. back, everyone. Middays, the Element Well Studios on the road today at Itawamba Community College. It's graduation spring 2023. We are pleased to welcome the mayor of where we are here, Fulton, Mississippi, Emily Quinn. Mayor Quinn, thanks for coming on. Well, thank you so much for having me. I was excited. It's a great day here at Itawamba Community College. Enjoyed uh, visiting with a couple of students and, of course, uh, Dr. Jay Allen and Saw all the families and the students here in the Davis Event Center, where we are. Big day for them to receive their degrees. Great accomplishment. Yeah, it's awesome. So it's got to be a sense of pride for you as the mayor to have this fantastic institution in your midst. Goodness, I tell you what, ICC is a blessing to Fulton. For it to be located right here, um, you know, we count the students as tourists. 
So and and not and not residents. So I mean, when they leave for the summer, it's pretty much like a ghost town. Um, but we love their their enthusiasm. I've got a son that's a student at ICC, so um, it's just really fun to see these kids come here and really develop their. Um, their personalities and their likes and dislikes and to watch them go out and do good things in the no doubt. in the world and it's beautiful campus too isn't beautiful, it beautiful beautiful yes it's awesome what's going on here in fulton how are you doing these days well we're doing great we just got a 2.3 million dollar grant mm-hmm. um which was the match funds for arpa mm-hmm. to uh to repair and redo a lot of our infrastructure when it comes to utilities. So that would be water or wastewater, and um, it's desperately needed. Yeah, and th- this is something that requires constant attention. Constant attention. And I can't tell you the last time we've had a total revamp of all of our pipes. Yeah. And a lot of them are the terracotta or clay oh, pipes. Wow. So they're collapsing, which is calling, causing sinkholes yeah. and dirty water and... It's just not good. Yeah. So we've got to make it better for the residents. Do you ever have uh, Do you have a city council? We alderman? do. We, do. we have an alderman. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you ever have a meeting of you and the alderman where you don't discuss that? Don't discuss infrastructure? <laughs> no. It's uh, constant. Yeah, if it's thinking. not pipes, it's roads. It's <laughs> <laughs> something constantly. Yeah. 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 Um, what's, your, what's your elevator pitch? Why would someone want to live here in Fulton? You know, I think it's just very important for us to recruit and retain, especially the students that come to ICC. And I was actually locking up the office a couple of weeks ago when I was working late, and there was a gentleman walking around the the courthouse square with his daughter. Mm-hmm. And he came up, and he said, do you mind if I ask you a question? So we got to talking, and finally I said, well, who are you? And he told me, and he said, you know, I grew up in North Mississippi, yeah. went to school at ICC, moved off, you know, got a family. And then when we started looking for places to settle down, I swore I'd never come back to Fulton. He said, but we love it here. Hmm. It's That's just awesome. a, it's a safe city, you know, to raise your kids, great school system. And of course, you know, with the community college here, mm-hmm. they don't have to go far and you can still keep a good eye on them. And it, you've health care, you've got great health care <laughs> yes. facilities, institutions uh-huh. as well. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. All, always figures into it. Um, what about your financial status? How are you looking there? Is this oh, we're in looking, good shape? We are looking great. You know, we did not get any relief money. Um, for taking a loss of revenue during COVID. You did? Okay. All of our numbers went up. Really? Which is really crazy. Um, and they are continuing to climb and climb and climb. Uh, we're about to have a special election for Pennies for Parks June 6th. Um, that's going to be a, a really important election because that's going to be a 3% additional tax on restaurant prepared food. So it would mm-hmm. be uh, even at at the grocery store through their buffet line. Uh, and that could potentially give Fulton $700,000 a year. So you think about what that could do for our parks, for our recreation, for our tourism. Uh, we did have it last May, and we lost passing the vote by two votes. Two votes? Two votes. Wow. It hurt. It hurt so bad. <laughs> uh, so is the three additional 3%, is it earmarked specifically designated for right. the parks? That's for right. For that purpose? Yes, yeah, specifically for the parks, recreation, um, 
I would like to have a new welcome to Fulton sign, uh, you know, as you enter Fulton, just so people know, hey, we're a cool town and we are open for business. Yeah. Um, but there's just a lot you can do, too, for beautification. Um, I mean, really, we take out of our general fund probably $150,000 each year just for our parks, for our city ballparks. Okay. So you look at that money that we would generate from the special tax going to the park, mm-hmm. that would really put some relief on our general fund that we could use for paving roads or um, sure. a lot of maintenance issues. Yeah. So uh, are you looking to construct some new parks, new facilities, or just upgrade, maintain existing combination? Right now, I would like just to update and maintain what we have. Um, but now our ballpark, mm-hmm. I would love to do a total revamp of that. I it's see. really old. It was. It's not very um well put together uh-huh. it was like let's add a field here oh well look we've got the space over here so let's add one here mm-hmm. now they have the clover you know the clover fields with yeah. the one concession stand yep. and bathroom in the middle so you don't have to run your kids here and there and everywhere you can mm-hmm. really be centrally located okay. um and then that would give us an opportunity to host more ball tournaments too mm-hmm. um which would bring a lot of revenue to the to the city sure are there any uh, economic de- development projects in the works that no. you could talk about? Um, we're getting a tractor supply company. Okay. And it is going to be a really big building, over 20,000 square feet. It's going to have a gardening center, and it will have uh, dog washing stations, which mm. I will utilize. And um, <laughs> so we're just really excited for that. We're also getting a Waffle House. And I've heard possibly Zaxby's in two oh, wow. years. So, Waffle uh, House, that's huge. I know, I know. So, yeah, all the college kids will love that. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, what about residential developments, housing and the like? Anything going on there? You know, that's one problem that we do have. We have more and more young families move into Fulton, mm-hmm. but we lack in housing units. So... Um, we have put out little feelers to construction workers or development or you know developers that that hopefully they'll want to build houses and they have started building houses here and there um, because it's hard to recruit young families yeah, if you don't place to live. right. Yeah. But now if we get new parks uh, a half mile radius outside of that park, your your house value it increases. Yeah. So I mean, there's just so many benefits to pass in pennies for parks and when you go eat at tupelo you're paying an extra tax that goes to their children hmm. or their parks so it's just important for us to utilize it here when's the vote june 6 if you're going to be on vacation june 6 you can come on and see me in city hall and we can get the absentee ballot filled out how I do you feel about this round you said you lost by two votes i feel i feel very confident this this time i feel like before um, people just really didn't understand it, yeah. and um, and possibly we didn't get the word out enough. So I'm really starting to kick off a campaign. FL Crane, they are sponsoring the the campaign okay. to get it passed. So okay. I'm hoping, crossing my fingers, and um, let's hey let's move Fulton forward. I'm yeah. ready. We spoke to Representative Donnie Bell earlier mm-hmm. in the program, and coming up next is Senator Daniel Sparks. Oh yeah. 
Uh, anything you want to tell those guys that you need Let from the legislation? Let me tell you what. We are blessed <laughs> with those two. They work so hard for us in Jackson, and they're fighters for us, too. And we would not have half of the funds that we've acquired since my my term being mayor. Mm-hmm. This is just my second year. Okay. But, boy, I mean, they they really put out for Fulton and Itawamba County. Are you planning to run for re-election? I am right now, but I still have two more years. A lot can happen in two years. <laughs> I understand. Anything in particular you'd like to see from our legislature that you could benefit from? Um, you know, they're always looking for funds to help us. If I say we need South Adams Street repaved and it's going to cost $1.7 million, mm-hmm. they're looking they're looking for the funds that are grants that we could use, you know, to help that to make it happen. Because, um, you know, when people come into a city and you don't have good inf- infrastructure, pretty roads, it really puts a hurt on you. Yeah. So, um, you and wanna, conversely, if you do, it, it's attractive. That's people. right. That's yeah. right. You don't want to plant a seed in a garden that's full of weeds. I understand. Great. Well put. Mayor Emily Quinn of Fulton, Mississippi, has been our guest. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. This was so much fun. Congratulations on a great day at ICC. Thank you. Yes, congratulations to all of our students, and come back to see us. Absolutely. Mayor Emily Quinn from Fulton has been our guest. We're stepping aside for a break on middays. Half an hour left in the program. Coming up next, Senator Daniel Sparks. Stay with us. Going beyond the headlines, breaking down the stories that matter to Mississippi. Middays with Gerard on Super Talk Mississippi. Back in the Element Well Studios on the campus of Itawamba Community College. We're here, of course, because it is a graduation day. Spring 2023 is the big graduation here, and we are pleased to welcome Senator Daniel Sparks. He represents Mississippi's District 5. That includes Itawamba, Prentice, and Tishomingo counties. He serves as the vice chairman of the Senate Corrections Committee. Thanks for coming on and coming by to see us here, Senator Sparks. Absolutely, Gerard. Good to be with you. Appreciate the invitation. This is a beautiful campus, and it's a big day here on the ICC campus with uh, graduates walking. I think uh, we've learned 673, I believe, walked today. 1,016 graduating. That's pretty cool. It, it is. It's impressive. I ran to Dr. Allen uh, just a moment there in the hallway, and, and it's just uh, it's so impressive what our community college system can do. Of course, the 15 community colleges across the state, you know, it's one of the best uh, economical decisions you can make uh, toward higher education, especially in your first uh, two years. And, you know, they're, they're nimble. They can adapt. They're the tip of the spear when it comes to uh, career and technical education, uh, workforce, 
uh, they're working with Ryan Miller over at Accelerate. It's just uh, it's it's a really good process, and ICC is, is does a wonderful job. Of course, uh, you just had Mayor Quinn on. Uh, they have a great partner in the city of Fulton, and. Um, you know, in the legislature, uh, Donnie Bell, and I think Donnie maybe was with you earlier. He was. Uh, you know, he's the chair of workforce in the House, and Donnie has been such a good friend to me, uh, an encouragement. Mm-hmm. You know, as a, in, in a freshman term as a legislator, it was great to have people like Donnie, and he's, of course, an alumnus. He's a distinguished alumnus. Yeah. I believe he was. Uh, <laughs> he, he won an award uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, he came up to Belmont and had breakfast with me yesterday morning. So we, we enjoy working together and Very uh, cool. the mayor and the team here in Fulton and at ICC. Yeah, he was on earlier talking about all the stuff that uh, happened in the Workforce Development Committee, which, of course, is very much related to where we are today. Uh, a big focus of that in the state of Mississippi and the community colleges, I think, are well positioned uh, for that to prepare the students. They truly are. I get to serve uh, on workforce in the Senate side uh, with uh, Chairman David Parker, and uh, it's just been really, uh, I guess, difficult. When we came in in 2020, I think Lieutenant Governor Hoseman uh, shared the ideas of, of CTE and our workforce participation rate, which is uh, toward the bottom of the country, needing to be raised, yeah. and that the community colleges were key to that. Also, you know, our high schools. But uh, you know, when COVID came along, it kind of kind of derailed some of that uh, focus that. We we had and, and that's something we just want to continue of course with accelerate and the work that's been done that we can we can grow that yeah accelerate ryan melder been on the program many times i think that was a a good creation by the state to have some focus there and uh he, he's very energetic understands the dynamics of what they're trying to get accomplished and uh, you know as well as I do, the employer's uh, number one issue is can't find the qualified people we need to, to put to work, to fill the ranks, to produce our products and services. And, and that's true in manufacturing, but it's also true in education. I, I spoke this morning to the retired teachers uh, in, in Tishomingo County. Of course, my mother was one of the attendees, so I had to be on my best behavior. <laughs> uh, but, but there was a discussion of you know a teacher shortage that we have, which, again, the community college plays a huge role in, in beginning that process toward an education degree but um but you're right it's 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 not just uh in manufacturing we're seeing it in professional jobs nursing uh, that's another area the community colleges have been extremely strong is in nursing we uh had uh, four bills this year in the senate right. particularly that dealt with hospitals and, and some of the things that we we're doing one of those was a grant program to expand nursing capacity and so i was excited to support the lieutenant governor and, and the pre- presenters on that bill and i think that'll help our community colleges some grants Right, yes, the program specifically for that. Specifically, and I think it was $18 million. I Don't hold me to that, but I, I okay. think that was the number, and more so, I think, out of the ARPA funds as well. In the form of, of student loan forgiveness, was it not? That's correct. In other words, it was, it was an opportunity to draw people in, but also to build out capacity. There was We, we did a nursing grant program, but we also uh, had some monies put aside to actually put build out the capacity uh, because you need more uh, instructors or maybe you need more classrooms. You know, a lot of our schools are tapped as as it relates to resources but they have more people who want to go into that field of nursing so uh, so i think that will be helpful desperately needed let's talk about the corrections committee which you uh, serve as the vice chair uh what did you get done this year that you want to share with us you know this year uh, i think chairman barnett had had made this mention before too we we were evaluating a lot this year we we passed several pieces of legislation the first three years we're trying to see the impact of that particularly some of these uh work programs with our counties um i had pushed for three years to try to get mdoc to pay a better rate to our county jails when 
they're housing MDOC inmates. Uh, you know, technically MDOC is supposed to come get them rapidly, mm-hmm. and that wasn't happening. And we were kind of uh, balancing our books on the backs of the counties. And just like Chris Dickinson's the sheriff here, they just built a new jail. That's a huge investment. Um, they don't need to be doing MDOC's job for them. Uh, people sure. need to be where the training is, uh, where other things are that they can participate in. But we've, uh, you know, you know my background. I'm an accounting major like you from mm-hmm. Ole Miss and economics and all that and taxation. I look at these contracts, and I just want us to do a better job, not just at MDOC, but across the board. I think we need to look at the RFP and RFQ process. I think that uh, we've got service contracts that fall outside of, of a you know request for proposal. We need to operate you know government more like a business, particularly when it comes to the bidding processes. And now. I don't mean something that ties the hands of, of industry or ties the hands of county government or the schools, but I'm talking about literally when we're looking at huge multi-million dollar, multi-year contracts, that we're 100% above board and we're negotiating well. Yeah, totally agree. And in, in fact, there was a report this morning uh, back in my neck of the woods that you spent some time in three or four months a year in Jackson where the, there appears to be some perhaps a misuse of funds i know that may sound shocking but it it all comes down to being able to contract for certain services without competitive bidding and it just it just serves as a catalyst for all sorts of uh, impropriety and and just abuse of money public money and it looks like that's coming to light in jackson well you hit the nail on the head it's public money that money is the money that's been taken from the taxpayers and and then we're expected to provide services core functions of government things of that nature and we can argue over what's a core function of government or you know should we cover this should we not cover that right but we should not ever disagree that transparency totally in the agree. contracting process that we've gotten the best. Uh, you know, they always say, "I don't want to be the cheapest. I right. want to be the best bargain." Right, I, that, best that means, value. That's right, best value. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yep, totally agree. And what, what essentially what happened, to Jackson? It all has to do with contracts for cleaning services during COVID that just look suspicious at a minimum. And so the even the Jackson paper, Clarion Ledger, picked up on that. Uh, we've got uh, election year. Yes. On our hands. Yes, sir. I, How are you? I, I am blessed and thankful that I am running unopposed. I, I, I appreciate You and Bell. I, yeah. Where'd you get that? Well, I think Bell pulled me across the finish line. <laughs> I got you. Uh, the, the people in, in Tishomingo, Edwama, and Prentice County have been very good to me, and um, and I hope that they're proud of the work we've done. And I do feel like going back for a second term, there's a level of understanding of the process that I want to be more effective yeah. uh, for the people that I represent. But I'm, I'm excited. Uh, well, you know as well as I do, uh, arguably the most contentious race uh, of the, the election season is going to be the primary for lieutenant governor. I, it, maybe it's neck and neck with the uh, general election for governor, but certainly the primary with uh, sitting lieutenant governor Delbert Hoseman, whom I believe you support and have uh, uh, shown that, and in, in, in I think you actually produced a video to that effect. Did you not recently? I, I did. You know, there, there were a couple of things. First of all, I, I appreciate the opportunity to work with uh, Lieutenant Governor Hoseman, I do endorse him. It doesn't mean I agree with him on every issue Mm -hmm. or I'll vote with him or things of that nature. Sure. I just believe he's the best leader for that job in the state of Mississippi. The, uh, (laughs) The video came as a result of me pushing back on a little bit of the McDaniel campaign messaging that I thought was not accurate based on personal experience serving in the Senate. Okay. 
And uh, their response, instead of replying, was to block me on social media. That's the first time I think that's ever happened. I saw that. Yep. So, uh, so I said, well, okay, well, I'll just use my own social media and put some videos out. So I'm, I'm through video two of ten. Uh, we're going to discuss hmm. exciting things like election. Two of ten? Yes. Okay. Yes. Election integrity. We're going to talk about committee chairmanship and uh He's thrown that one out, made a really nice ad. He just forgot to say that Lieutenant Governor Reeves had 13 Democratic chairmen. In his first term, he had 17, and yeah. Governor Bryant had 19. So I just want him to tell us what he's going to do for the state of Mississippi yeah. instead of telling uh, the state of Mississippi what we're all doing wrong. And I guess I take it a little personal when someone implies that the Senate uh, members who represent over 50,000 people apiece. Yep. I represent these three counties we talked about. Yep. They didn't send a guy down there who's shy and bashful. They didn't send a guy down there that does not represent their interest. They sent somebody down there that's going to speak up, speak often for them. I understand. And I did. And so I'll have to admit, I've also taken to the campaign trail. Yep. Um, you know, I'm going to show up more than Flat Stanley uh, where he's at. So I I'm, I'm going to push back on that. We only got a few seconds left, but i got to ask you the ballot initiative process. You were nice on the last visit to talk about that. What do you see? Are we going to get anything done, you think? Yeah, I think we will. I think the statutory route is what everybody's talking about. Yep. Uh, the signature issue, I think yep. we can get that worked out. Okay. You know, I do hate that it didn't happen last year because it's being part of the political process. Yep. Uh, Governor Hoseman pushed to get a second version back through, hmm. and we just didn't get it uh, through the house uh, that time and so i think we will work together we got some good people sounds good appreciate you coming on as always senator daniel sparks good Thanks to see you sir me. yep you got it we're coming right back in the element well studios with nina struther the director of marketing and community engagement at itawamba community college stay with us Gerard Gibbert. He keeps his classified documents right where they belong. Inside a Journey record jacket from the 1980s. Gerard Gibbert. Super Talk Mississippi. And the government's not going to get to my Journey record album from the 1980s where I store my classified documents, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Joining us now in the Element Well Studios at Itawamba Community College for graduation, spring graduation 2023, is Anina Struther, the Director of Marketing and Community Engagement at ICC. Nina, it's been a big day. We sure have enjoyed being up here. Thank you so much for being here. I have to say I have the cool job in the world because not only do I work for Itawamba Community College and I get to see all of these great graduates uh, walk across the stage today, but it's been such a pleasure having you guys here today. Oh, it's been a, uh, a blast for us as well and really have enjoyed uh, speaking to all of those who came on the show. We had a great lineup. Appreciate Alex Payton for putting that together. And especially, I think, the highlight of the day, honestly, because it is graduation day, was speaking to the graduates, the two graduates oh, that we had. On in the first hour. Lexi Tabs and Brian Morrow that were on here earlier are two of our finest, and we have a lot of great students that come through our doors. But that's the sad thing about graduation is 
we know we're gonna yeah we're not gonna get to see them every day like we used to so but we've got a new class coming in uh summer school's starting up soon and we've got a brand new class coming in in august and we're excited to get them on board yeah my daughter's a teacher and she says the same thing every year you know she she uh, gets sad about the departure mm-hmm. of those that she's uh, produce relationships with, establish relationships with, but new crop comes in and they start it all over again. Yeah, and every year when they come and go, you're like, oh, that was my favorite class. And then the next group comes in, you're like, oh, they were really special. Yeah, that's so yeah. cool. So um, are you optimistic about uh, the future here at ICC? Absolutely. Uh, Dr. Allen came, uh, I think he's going into his sixth academic year this year. Um, I was hired shortly before he came on board, so I've been able to kind of see what all he's implemented yeah. and our um, board of trustees and all of the great faculty and staff he- that we have here at the college. We uh, just built a brand new dorm. Right. Uh, we've got 1,250 students living on campus now. We have a very active student activities program. We've got intramurals and silent discos <laughs> where you get to wear headphones and only you can hear the music that you're dancing to, but everybody's in a big room dancing. Um, like Dr. Allen said earlier, our... Um, student engagement activities we've got record-breaking numbers our student activities director taylor teeter has been doing a great job uh, getting the students engaged and athletic facilities are getting renovated left and right Um, just a lot of really great things happening today we had 673 graduates participate in commencement that's way more than last year i mean i just feel like the momentum is going so great for Itawamba Community College right yeah. now. Uh, and I think Dr. Allen said you're, you're looking good on enrollment for uh, next year. We right? are. We are steadily increasing enrollment, which is great, especially since COVID. Mm-hmm. I think statewide we saw um, declining numbers in enrollment across yeah. all colleges, but not us. We were up, and we continue to go up and up and up in enrollment. And I think it's a testament to all the great things that are happening here. Something to be said for attending college in the college campus environment. That mm-hmm. experience is pretty valuable, I think, interacting with other students and instructors and administration and just across the gambit and just participating in the college experience. Oh, yeah. I, I definitely see how students gain a lot from that. What I love about ICC and a lot of community colleges and universities is that you try to meet students where they are. Sure. And for those that fully online is the best option, we're definitely leading the gamut on those classes and those opportunities. But for most of our traditional students that are coming right out of high school, a lot of them are looking for that college um, experience. And we really do a great job of offering that here at Etiwamba Community College. So you've got graduates that will continue their education, perhaps at a four-year yes. institution, and but you've got graduates graduates who will enter the workforce that's right we we uh, get them trained up in two years to have great jobs making great money with skills and trades Um, our dean of career education i know spoke a lot about that and then you can move on if you're getting the first two years of your academic degree you can get that here and knock out all those classes and then go on to a university yeah 
and get a four-year degree and just keep going from there if that's what you choose. So we really offer a little bit of everything for everyone. Yeah. It's awesome. Awesome campus, awesome day, awesome team of folks you have here. It's just a great place to go to school. Well, thank you. We appreciate that. Appreciate you, Nina. Thanks for having us up here. And congratulations again on all the success here at Itawamba Community College. But most importantly, congratulations to the graduates. Yes. Congratulations, ICC Class of 23. That's cool. Folks, that's a wrap for Middays at Itawamba Community College Spring Graduation 2023. We certainly hope that you enjoyed the show and that you have a great weekend. We'll be back in the Element Well Studios on Monday. Until then, stay safe and God bless everyone. Talk Mississippi Media Production.